Hey everybody, welcome to the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast, where we're making faith practical as you raise the next generation to follow Jesus. My name is Todd Lesher. Thanks for listening. I created this podcast to give parents some practical tools for the life and faith of their family. I'm grateful to have you listen in. If you find this helpful for you and your family, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment, and share it with someone else. Your words and shares allow us to share these words with others. So thank you. Today, we're talking about dealing with disruption. 2020 was unlike any year that most of us can remember. The unthinkable happened, and it disrupted everything. 2020 may be the year you want to forget, and you're already scrolling for something else to listen to. Well, we hope and pray that nothing like 2020 ever happens again. But disruption is something that happens all the time. And with a little reflection on the year that we wish wasn't, we might be better prepared and poised for whatever disruption comes next. There are a few definitions for disruption that would be helpful to discuss before we get too far into the topic. Here are the top two definitions that I found. The first definition is a disturbance or problems which interrupt an event, activity, or process. This is your basic definition of disruption. Other synonyms include an intrusion or a surprise. The second definition is a radical change to an existing industry or market due to technological innovation. This type of disruption is also known as disruptive innovation. It's nuanced, but it has similarities to the previous definition. Some of the most popular examples of disruptive innovation include what the iPhone did to the mobile phone and what Netflix did to movie rentals. (laughs) Raise your hand if you remember Blockbuster. Anybody? We will be working with the first definition of disruption in this episode. We don't need a pandemic to know that life is full of disruption. Let's start with a disruption we all have in common kids. (laughs) Now, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't have kids, thanks for listening. Spoiler alert, (laughs) kids are a disruption. Whether they were planned or unplanned, kids are disruptive from the time they're conceived. Look back at our definition. Now, I wouldn't call kids a problem, but they can definitely be a disturbance, interruption, or a surprise which affect an activity, event, or process, (laughs) or just life in general, right? And yet, they still remain one of the most popular and preferred disruptions year after year. Pregnancy is a disruption to the mother's sleep, hormones, appetite or lack thereof, and their body. Birth is a disruption to sleep patterns and noise volumes, and parenting is a disruption to routine, lifestyle, and priorities. Can we talk about phone calls for a minute? Nothing guarantees an interruption like taking a phone call. My kids can be in another part of the house or playing outside. And once I start talking on the phone, they'll come running to poke my arm, pull my shirt, or say my name to get my attention. How do they know? I can see you nodding with me. Thank you. Now, where was I? Most people would never call pregnancy, birth, and parenting a disruption, but that's what it is. It alters how things were. It alters everything. But parents, 
You're incredible. You will make the adjustments needed to provide the environment suitable for raising children. Here's a teaser. Parents, we know how to deal with disruption just by being parents. So let's take a closer look at pregnancy for a minute. At the risk of sounding clueless or insensitive, I did consult my wife to ensure the accuracy of this illustration. Here we go. Pregnancy is a gift. This is what most moms feel. Upon discovering the news, joy overflows with phone calls, text messages, social media posts, gender reveal parties, and baby showers. Every month in the process brings new and exciting updates. You can hear their heart beating, you can feel their body tumbling as mom's body becomes a moon bounce, and you can visualize their growth from apple seed to kumquat to avocado to watermelon. That alone, on top of everything else, deserves a standing ovation. If all the dads aren't applauding their wives at this very moment, something is wrong with you. Go and get a watermelon and carry it around for a couple weeks. Pregnancy is not just a gift to the mom, it's a gift to the parents. Yes, they're about to bring a child into the world and grow their family, but in addition to that gift, it gives parents up to nine months to prepare for the disruption. Even though we can't prepare for everything a newborn brings, we can get the nursery ready, we can get the car seat installed, and we can have diapers on diapers on diapers. <laughs> Having a kid is just one example of the two types of disruptions we face in life. There are the disruptions we choose, like having a kid, buying a pet, a spontaneous road trip, or dating someone. And then there are the disruptions we don't choose. A pandemic and all the disruptions that come with it, like getting sick, wearing masks, washing groceries, Call us crazy, call my family crazy, but we spent the first six months of the pandemic washing <laughs> our groceries. And then there's homeschooling, if you hadn't been doing it before, quarantining and losing jobs to losing loved ones. It's just heartbreaking. But in addition to the pandemic, there are all the other random disruptions we'll face in life. Something as hard and heavy as a miscarriage, new neighbors who move in next door, a leaky roof or a blown transmission in your car, natural disasters, a national crisis, bad news from school, or a change of any sort. When it comes down to it, dealing with disruption is about change management. According to the great philosopher Heraclitus, I think that's how you pronounce it, <laughs> don't be impressed, I had to look it up, change is the only constant in life. With this being a fact of life, you would think we all would be a little more prepared and poised for the disruptions we face. But try as we may, even though change is constant, change is still hard, even for those who say they like it. What needs to be addressed is how we deal with it when it comes. The pandemic has taken its toll in a lot of ways, especially in the area of our mental and emotional health and that of our children. The research runs the gamut, showing increases in psychological stress, substance use disorders, loneliness, and unhealth in relationships. 
when it comes to children. According to a CDC report, mental health-related visits to the emergency room are up by 24% among 5 to 11-year-olds and up 31% among 12 to 17-year-olds. Four out of 10 18 through 35-year-olds are anxious about a variety of issues. And according to the Barna Research Group, that percentage is growing amidst the pandemic. It not only affects our mental and emotional health, disruptions can affect our faith as well. Specific faith practices like Bible reading and church attendance have been impacted. Barna again reports that one in three practicing Christians have stopped attending church altogether, and research shows that these decreases are linked to their emotional well-being as well. Whether it's change in general, isolation or loss caused by the pandemic, or unexpected disruptions of any kind, we need help coping with disruption and helping our kids handle them in healthy ways too. Unlike pregnancy, we can't anticipate most disruptions, but we can acknowledge that they're a part of life and we can equip ourselves with healthy coping mechanisms and strategies. Depend on God. Every disruption is an opportunity to depend on God. I was reading through the book of Joel and the Hebrew scriptures, this is the Old Testament of our Bibles, the other day, and this point comes through loud and clear. The Bible is full of examples of disruption and how people dealt with them. As people of faith and followers of Jesus, we are not immune to the disruptions of life, but we have a God who wants us to depend on him through the disruptions we face. This is one of the messages Joel had for the people. There had been a plague of locusts that devastated the land, ruining crops and livelihoods. A major disruption at the time. Listen to what Joel said to the people in chapter 1, verse 13. Dress yourselves in burlap and weep, you priests. Wail, you who serve before the altar. Come, spend the night in burlap, you ministers of my God, for there is no grain or wine to offer at the temple of your God. His message is for the leaders of the temple in Jerusalem. The locusts had destroyed all their grapes and their grain. They couldn't carry on with their normal sacrifices. So, what do you do when your ritual, your routine, and your plans are disrupted? Later on, Joel foretells of an even greater disruption, an enemy invasion. It was imminent, and this is what Joel told the people to do in chapter 2, verses 12-13. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Listen to this. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Joel told the people to rend their hearts and not their garments. God wants our hearts devoted to him, not just going through the motions. Every disruption is an opportunity to depend on God. Joel affirms, describing God as a God who is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. If we apply his words to parenting, the leaders of our families, what do we do when disruption hits? 
We turn to God through prayer and reading his word to be reminded of his promises and his presence in our lives. This is a message that we find in the New Testament as well. In 1 Peter 5.7, it says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. How do we know that God cares for us? We look at Jesus, who cared enough that he was willing to suffer and die for our sins so that we could depend on him. If he died for us, will he not also care for us? The message is clear. God wants us to trust him with what we're going through. Every disruption is an opportunity to depend on God. God wants us to depend on him, and our families need us to depend on him above all else. G for healthy coping mechanisms is honesty. Honesty with yourself and with others. The first part of this coping strategy is about self-awareness. I realized a couple months ago that I have a tendency to stress eat. I can't remember the exact moment, but I started to notice a trend. It could be a project at work or a problem with our house or a challenge with the kids or a maxed out schedule. And I would find myself craving ice cream and chips and salsa, separately of course. (laughs) My thought was, if I just had ice cream, everything would be better. Anybody with me? Now, a bowl of ice cream might help in the moment, but as you and I both know, it doesn't take the disruption away. I still have to face it, and I can't keep eating ice cream and chips whenever a change takes place. Have you ever asked what you hope from how you cope? What are you hoping for from what you're coping with? Glasses of wine, social media scrolls, and streaming binges can only numb or intensify the stress we feel, they can't actually take it away. When it comes to disruption, this is the importance of self-awareness. I see self-awareness in three parts. Part one of self-awareness is recognizing what is causing you stress. Part two of self-awareness is becoming aware of your coping methods and if they're helping. Part three of self-awareness is that we shouldn't cope alone. Find a friend to fill your bucket when you face a moment of disruption. Who is a friend, family member, pastor, mentor, or counselor that you trust to empathize with you, but not make excuses for you? Someone who will love you enough to show you grace and tell you the truth. I've benefited greatly from counseling in different seasons of my life, and I highly recommend finding a counselor, therapist, or a spiritual director. Let's destigmatize taking care of our mental and emotional health. Self-care is not selfish, but whatever you do, don't isolate. Disruption is hard on most people. You don't have to face it alone. Having people in your corner that you can be honest with requires vulnerability, but the support is worth the risk. A third strategy for healthy coping is wisdom. Wisdom in your thoughts and your actions. Wisdom is the practice of knowing what's best for us and choosing it. Those you look up to for wisdom are wise because they knew what was best for them and they chose it. Wisdom is a muscle you can exercise, strengthen, and grow. Sometimes it happens through failures and mistakes. Other times it happens by watching the success or failures of others. It always happens if we're willing to learn from the past or from those who have experienced it before us. 
Disruptions in life can cause us to act in ways that we wouldn't normally choose because our brains get hijacked. The amygdala is a part of our brain that processes emotions like fear, anxiety, and stress. When we feel attacked, our brains go into fight, flight, or freeze mode. These are the natural reactions when our lives feel in danger. It's how our ancestors survived for thousands of years. When a disruption occurs, our brains can have the same reaction, causing us to panic because we're convinced our lives are in danger. Not every disruption is life-threatening. Change can cause a lot of stress in our brains, leading us to act in ways that are not wise for us or others. For instance, Google doesn't always make the best doctor or therapist, and social media thrives on fear. Those things can actually overwhelm the brain even more. In the face of a disruption, we need to be able to ask the question, what's the wise thing to do? What's best for you in this moment and how do you choose it? This should cause us to evaluate our coping methods. Is what you're coping with what's best for you? Or are there better coping options? Before the next disruption occurs, brainstorm some different options. Hijack your habits and cope out on music, art, or exercise instead of substances, scrolls, and streams. What's a wiser way to cope than what you've done in the past? So here are three strategies. Depend on God, choose honesty, choose wisdom. Our faith and our mental health are vital for the health of our families. How we cope will influence how we help our kids cope as well. Disruptions affect our kids just like they affect us. We may be able to shield our kids from some of the disruptions that take place in our lives and in our world, but it's impossible to shield them from everything. This is when we need to be prepared to help them navigate those unexpected, painful, or challenging situations. They might experience the disruption personally, like moving to a new school or a new city, losing a favorite toy or a loved one going through a breakup or finishing high school, or facing disappointment with themselves or a conflict with you. They might encounter the disruption accidentally, overhearing a conversation we're having. They might hear it from one of their friends from school, or they might hear about it on TV or online. Wherever our kids encounter the news and effects of a disruption, we as parents have the responsibility to give our kids tools to cope. This is why learning to cope in healthy ways ourselves is essential for us as parents. Here are five tips for helping your kids cope by parenting with peace. Peace is an acronym I borrowed from Dr. Daniel Siegel, the author of The Power of Showing Up. When our kids experience a disruption in their lives, we can help them cope with our presence, engagement, affection, calm, and empathy. The P in peace stands for presence. This starts with paying attention to what our kids are going through, being receptive and available to them so they know they're our top priority and that they're not alone. As we know, our kids will rarely come out and say what's going on. We might have to put our phone down, turn off the TV, sit on their bed, give them some personal space, or go for a walk together to make yourself accessible and attentive. The E stands for engagement. Dr. Siegel describes this as how we show up. 
We use active listening, nonverbal communication, eye contact, and positive physical touch to demonstrate that you are going to connect with them personally before you try to solve their problems. Tone of voice, patience, and timing all factor into moments like these. These are the opportunities to build trust with your child as a reliable source of comfort in times of disruption. The A in peace stands for affection. These are the ways we express our love for our kids through what we say and what we do. We should hug our kids every day, (laughs) no matter how old or how prickly they are. And we should tell them we love them on a regular basis. Dr. Siegel writes in his book, you communicate with both your words and your action how much love you feel for your child, how much compassion about what he's going through, how much you desire to help if you can. Some of us might be uncomfortable with affection. Start by writing them a note or asking your child if you can give them a hug. Ignoring affection is not really an option. The C stands for calm. This might be one of the most difficult parts of parenting with peace because it's about us staying calm. Disruptions can cause all types of emotional response. According to Dr. Siegel, what our kids need when they're processing through a disruptive moment is for us to be the adult. That's right, for us to be the adult. The more you can model for your child how to say what you feel without going on the attack or losing control, the more she will learn about both emotional management and relational respect. One practice that Dr. Siegel suggests is taking a non-threatening posture. Get below their eye level instead of standing over them, which can feel intimidating and threatening. The E in peace stands for empathy. This is all about feeling what our child is going through with them. Empathy is the act of helping someone feel felt. Our child might be experiencing something unfamiliar to us, but empathy allows us to connect with them in ways that communicate care, love, and understanding. Some of the best ways to empathize with someone is with the words we use. Here are a couple empathetic phrases that you can try. I'm sorry that happened. I know that hurts. Or, I know that's hard. I can imagine how that must feel. And, I wish you didn't have to go through that. Empathy feels before it fixes. That's parenting with peace. In addition to peace, I would add prayer as another essential. That would make the acronym P-E-A-C-P, PSIP, <laughs> which is not very smooth or very catchy. But when we pray with our kids about what's troubling them, we show them that God can be trusted and cares about what we're going through. Remember, he tells us to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. Parenting with peace can be applied to all the stages of childhood and the variety of disruptions that they'll face as they grow up. The disruptions might look different from stage to stage, and some will be disruptive despite the phase, but we can always show up for our kids, whatever their age. Let's do a quick review as we wrap this up. Disruption happens all the time. It might be in our lives, our family, our nation, or our world. A disruption is a disturbance or problems which interrupt an event, activity, or process. There are two types of disruptions in life. Those we choose, like having a kid or buying a pet, 
and those we don't choose, like new neighbors or a natural disaster. Change is a part of life, and we need healthy methods for coping with those changes when they come. Here are three ways for us to cope. Depend on God, be honest, and be wise. The writers in the New Testament encourage us to give all our worries and cares to God because he cares for us. And we know this to be true because Jesus cared enough to die for us. When it comes to helping our kids cope with the disruptions in their lives, we can parent with peace by showing up in their lives with our presence, engagement, affection, calm, and empathy, as well as our prayers. Thank you for raising the next generation to follow Jesus. It's not about being perfect. It's about being intentional, especially when it comes to dealing with disruption. Thanks for listening. Parent on parents, you got this.